Thanks for joining us this week for Chalk Talk EDU. We're an off-duty teacher and academic aimed to tackle tough topics over coffee and humor. My name's Alyssa, a former teacher and now academic. And my name's Kimmy. I'm currently a teacher. Today's episode is focused on building relationships with students and families. Let's start off with a mental health check-in. How are you doing, Alyssa? I mean, we're getting close to the end of the year, finally. I feel like this year was never going to end. <laughs> I did, as we've mentioned before, Kimmy and I do swap um, leisure reading books sometimes to just kind of branch out, read something new. And she let me borrow a book called What I Carry, and it was so good. I absolutely loved it. It's a lot about kids in foster care and their experiences of what you just encounter and you may not even ever experience, even if you've taught students before in foster care. It's just a great perspective to read from. Yeah, I really loved that one. I was glad that you liked it too. Oh, um, so good. Yeah, it really just stood out to me as one of those books that, you know, I really feel like more people, especially more teachers, should read. Um, it gives you a lot of perspective um, through, through the eyes of a kid mm -hmm. and, a, you know, a kid who's going through it. So obviously it's, it's not um, – a nonfiction book. It is fiction. It is a made up story, but it just had a lot of information in it that was really eye opening. Um, and, and I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. So Kimmy, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. So I have been slacking a little bit on my reading, <laughs> um, reading for pleasure type stuff. I'm still, you know, pretty deep in the news and, and all of that, but you know, doing pretty good getting outside. Um, like you said, kind of looking forward to the wrap up of the year eventually. <laughs> right. Eventually start starting <laughs> to come to a close. I agree. So today we wanted to focus on relationships and building rapport. So Kimmy, when I say the word rapport, what do you think of? Um, you know, I really think of that positive relationship, that back and forth, that child trusting you, mm -hmm. um, knowing that you're there for them, knowing that you are a, a place of comfort for them um, yeah. and someone that they can go to. So we before we even started this we both said how building rapport and maintaining relationships can be sometimes completely different for general ed teachers versus special ed teachers because for special ed you may see the student on much more one-to-one -one basis than mm -hmm. you will in gen ed you have so many students and you want to make sure that they all feel welcome and they all feel that trust for sure and now kimmy i've never actually taught gen ed for an entire school year before you have so why don't we start with some gen ed tips and tricks about rapport building so when I started um, my gen ed position, I had it in my mind to build relationships, but I, it felt like a really daunting task. Mm -hmm. um, something that I did in my mind to kind of break that up was my kids were sitting in table groups and I kind of broke them up in my mind. I didn't have this big class in front of me. I had these smaller groups and I made sure, you know, I didn't always have the chance to get that one-on-one -on -one check in with kids but I could always get the chance to do table check-ins mm -hmm. and then um, at those tables have, you know, your personality come out because when you're up in front of a full class of students, you, you're not showing as much of your personality all the time. Um, but in those smaller settings, you'll, you're more likely to laugh a little more um, with kids, make more jokes because you can, because it's a smaller group. So definitely took advantage of having those tables yeah. and those smaller groups. And anytime I know I taught my math, math class in centers. So I really, really capitalized on those, that center time. And I know I said that it is different to build rapport between gen ed and special ed, but some of it overlaps. Like all of these 
tips and tricks will be good. I know for myself, sometimes I would weave in some rapport building in my lessons because we all know we don't have hours upon hours to get to know students Mm -hmm. in conversation. We have to build it into the curriculum. I remember when I was teaching spelling, I think, I would have all the students go around and tell me something before they can even spell a word. And it would just be silly stuff just to get to know each other and just build that trust. And I love food. And I always tell the kids how much I love food. And I'm like, well, I want to know everybody's ice cream flavor. I want to know if you put sprinkles (laughs) on your ice cream, like you like hot fudge. And then everyone would go around and you had to have your answer ready. So it was such a quick share. And then you went right to the lesson again. And everyone was would laugh and giggle. And then we all knew what the expectation was to get back into our lesson. But then I would bring up later on, maybe something about ice cream and point out maybe so-and-so likes sprinkles and I like sprinkles and we're on the sprinkles team and they think that's fun. And they think that's a good relationship to have. Something that um, I really use right now is, you know, I have to go get kids from their classroom and walk them to mine Mm -hmm. or I have to walk them back. And I've had some teachers tell me to use that time to start my lessons um, and try to like capitalize on all the time. I don't do it that way. I use that time for rapport building. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to chat. We're going to laugh. We're going to make some jokes uh, as we're walking back and forth. And that's, you know, I always have that time twice a day with that kid walking to and from their room to build on our relationship. That That's actually a really good point. I think something else you could think about at the beginning of the year, how do you introduce yourself? How can you make getting to know each other fun? And I remember I used to have like an all about me Jeopardy game with pictures of my dog and the kids would laugh and they'd be cute videos of my dog running around doing silly stuff. And it was just something for us all to bond over about so, simple. <laughs> so I had a college professor and I remember having to do this project and typical college thought it was like really dumb, didn't want to do it, um, but did it anyway. And it was like a brown bag Mm -hmm. introduction where you put different items in a brown bag and they don't know what's in there. And as you pull them out, you use it to introduce yourself. I have to be honest, I have done it. Uh, Maybe not exactly the same way that he had us do it for that project, but it works. Um, Something that you can pull their attention into and share facts about yourself is always useful. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely with you. And then I also think a lot about how you can connect kids together with other kids they may have not have been introduced to before. And that might not seem like rapport building with the teacher itself. However, like they're thankful that they met somebody new and indirectly you are building rapport. You're helping build connections in your classroom and building a better community. A teacher in uh, my school actually did something like this. We had a new student move in and he was very apprehensive to go into his classroom, um, was sitting in the hallway, was on my caseload, but doesn't didn't know me yet either. So, you know, nobody had a um, connection to him, but we noticed that his backpack had Pokemon on it. And she happened to have a student in her classroom who loves Pokemon. So she brought that student mm-hmm. out with his a couple of his Pokemon cards, and they were able to connect outside of the room, and the adults really backed off. Um, and once they had connected, that student welcomed him into the room and then helped him build relationships. And it was very, very meaningful. And it created a friendship there, but also created a trust between that new student and the teacher because the teacher noticed and found someone to connect him with. Oh, I love that. I always like to see how teachers make like new students arriving work because that's a whole nother beast of moving mm-hmm. into a school during the during the middle of a year and where it's already been established and so many people already have all these relationships set up. I think something that a lot of teachers share as a tip is don't smile till December. Yep. So Kimmy, 
What do you think about that? I mean, it's it might be similar to like establishing expectations, but it's also about rapport. Yeah, so I've heard it a lot of times and I always hear it in reference to don't smile till December because of your expectations. My thing is that you need rapport to have buy-in for expectations. And if you follow that, don't smile till December or like be harsh or whatever, you're you're losing rapport and you're breaking trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't, then maybe they're listening to you, but they're listening out of fear. They're not listening because they want to be part of your community. Um, so I very much, you know, kind of bat that down at every turn. I will smile and laugh with you from the moment you walk into my school um, to the moment you leave. That's my opinion. <laughs> I have always heard the tip. I don't know anybody that has followed it. I don't ever remember having a teacher that did that. So I'm not really I sure where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really, I'm just talking from my experience. I don't think I ever had a teacher that didn't smile. I worked with a teacher who <laughs> held to it pretty closely. Wow. Um, I, the, her classroom did not always seem like the warmest place to be. Yeah. Put it that way. So now, what we wish we knew about building rapport. Uh, I took down some notes beforehand so I didn't forget. I think it's important to remember that you can build great rapport in August and September but you actually have to keep building and maintaining your rapport in February and March. You, just because you have good rapport now doesn't mean that you'll have great rapport later. And making sure that in fe- February when you're prepping the kids for state testing and everything for the end of the year, it's a lot going on and they need to rely on that rapport more than ever before. Um, something I wish I had known and really kept in mind was that when students are exhibiting behaviors in your room, even if you had great rapport you know, leading up to that, it doesn't mean they're just, they're not going to exhibit behaviors. You're still going to see behaviors. And often kids will feel like they've now broken the rapport once they've done that. Mm -hmm. And it's your job as the teacher to reestablish that rapport with them and continue building it. It's not your job to, you're not sitting there waiting for the kid to come back to you. Um, It's always your job to kind of go with that clean slate and continue building rapport throughout the year, no matter what happens. Definitely, definitely one of my things I wish I knew. Oh, I, I agree. I definitely think, as we said before, we're not experts. So if you have any tips or tricks of how you build rapport in your classroom, please send it to us on direct message on Instagram to chalktalkedu, or you can email us it at chalktalkedu podcast at gmail.com. We will read some of them if you send them because we know that there's so much more out there that we mm-hmm. just don't know yet. And we might have overlooked something very simple that we've done ourselves that you might find to be critical to your classroom. With that being said, we do want to switch over to another topic similar to rapport with family relationships and how to build that positive family relationship. Um, I definitely think that this can be tough sometimes. Um, depending on, you know, your parents, depending on how many students you have, it can be really hard. Um, I do always try to make sure, and I did have a former or a teacher that I knew tell me this. I try to make sure to lead with a positive with parents as early as possible. I never want the first thing that a parent hears from me to be something negative, um, or something concerning or even something neutral. I, I want it to be something positive. So as quickly as I can, I try to make that connection. Mm-hmm. I think what I learned from people above me was that it's okay to tell them something positive that might seem very minuscule to you because mm-hmm. any positives are fantastic to share. Even just like holding the door for people unannounced. It might seem silly, but people really appreciate that and families like being involved. 
something that I wrote down that I always wanted to make sure that we talk about is how to make sure you keep consistent communication. So not only are you communicating early and often, but you keep up with it. Setting a goal for yourself, maybe like I want to reach out to every parent in my classroom at least once a week or every other week or depending on what your school requires of you too. And then how do you want to communicate to the entire, um, all of the families and at the same exact time, do you want to have a newsletter, like a weekly newsletter, a monthly newsletter and inviting parents to come in and read a book for your classroom or come help out with an arts and crafts project because people love to see their kids socialize and Mm -hmm. learn and be engaged in this great atmosphere in school. So that's something that definitely was different for me in special ed than gen ed. So in gen ed, um, when I taught second grade, I had a newsletter. It went home every week. It had important information, um, any assignments that week, things like that. So that was always going home. Um, I used my email. I also used Class Dojo, as I've mentioned before, um, for a lot of communication with parents so that they you know, had insight very often. In special ed, I've used Seesaw. Um, love it. Love giving those parents kind of a, a, an actual view of their kid doing work. But something this year that was really specific being a learning support teacher was it was hard. It was hard to juggle and make consistent communication that was personal for each parent. Mm-hmm. And I ended up taking a calendar, a spreadsheet, and making a schedule for myself that I was going to contact these parents on these days. I had kids who I knew I needed to call their parents once a week, no matter what. They were a little higher on my radar um, and their parents really needed to hear from me weekly. Mm -hmm. I had other ones that were bi-weekly and the parents were okay with that. But I established that with them. Um, I established with them how often they wanted to get a phone call from me versus an email. Mm -hmm. And I made a very rigid schedule for myself because I knew I needed it. Yeah, I think keeping up with it is the hardest part. I think a lot of teachers who have a lot of kids on their caseload or if they teach gen ed and they see a lot of kids throughout the day struggle with how do I contact 90 kids if I teach three classes of 30 kids? How do Mm -hmm. I do that? So setting an expectation of a minimum that every week during my prep, I want to email five five parents, just something good their kid did and keep notes of it. That's that's important. Like even if you just do a little bit at a time, it, it does make a difference. For sure. Something that I've always done and some maybe other people have is make sure that you have a good system to organize all of your emails <laughs> and document yes. everything. It's a great way to have everything organized, especially if you communicate with um, three of your parents much more than the rest of them. You should make sure that you have a good email system set up with folders or tags, putting them all in the correct area so that you can pull up everything you need for one child if maybe um, your principal needs help for you from you. Yeah, the other one is keeping a phone log. Um, you know, you don't need to write down every single thing that was discussed mm-hmm. with a parent, but keeping some kind of phone log where you have a general topic of conversation, um, anything important that came up. I know that I have made phone calls, and in the middle of the phone call, the parent shares information that I'm like, oh, I need to remember that. Mm-hmm. And by the end of this phone call, um, I might forget that fact, but I need it. So making sure that I was able to quickly jot that down in a phone log um, you know, I work with kids, um, in special ed. So often there's, you know, medication involved, mm-hmm. medication changes involved. And I was quickly able to go back and check phone logs or emails and be like, oh, that was the date. Yeah. Um, which is very useful. So having that documentation is definitely great to have. 
I know during COVID, a lot of people had to learn how to keep much more detailed notes for like attempts to communicate with parents mm-hmm. and how many times they have reached out to them so that they all everyone knew they were on the same page with what lessons were and how to access all of the lessons because it was very confusing for a while Yeah, <laughs> um, when we first moved virtually. Because we needed to do a lot really quickly mm-hmm. um, and a lot that, you know, hadn't been done before. So it definitely was chaotic to say the least. It was chaotic on our side as well. Exactly. Um, and it was hard. I, I don't think it's going away anytime soon either. I'm pretty sure it's going to be hard for the fall. Um, we have a question coming up in a little bit about that. However, let's talk a little bit about what we wish we knew about um, family relationships. I I really do think it's important to remember no matter who you are, a special educator or a general educator, you are all part of the same team working for the success of that single student. And it's not a you versus them mentality. It's really an us working together mentality and keeping that in mind will always help you work together and collaborate in a much more positive environment. I completely agree. I definitely think that this is something um, that comes up pretty often and is hard to manage sometimes. But when you have that positive relationship from the beginning, it is so useful. I think the other thing that I wish I knew, um, and it's, it's a little bit of a generational thing, which I find really interesting, but it is so important to make the phone call, Mm -hmm. to have the out loud conversation, because sometimes you receive an email from a parent and the way it's written, the tone isn't there. Words read differently than when they're spoken. Exactly. So I've definitely gotten emails and thought parents were really, really upset. And then I call them and they're fine. And I realized that, you know, the way that I write an email is different than the way that they write an email. And that's okay. As long as we have those more personal touch points Mm -hmm. to keep track of that. So a phone call for a difficult situation is going to get you 10 times further with a parent than an email. So really making sure that positives in emails are okay, but any difficult situation have it over the phone or in person because it's just going to go so much better. Yeah. So I completely agree with that. I'm I'm a big email girl. I really like to push myself to make the phone calls a lot of the time because I'd rather send a quick email. However, mm-hmm. I know that phone calls sometimes can get and resolve issues much faster. A hot topic out there that some people think is a at-home issue, but I um, some believe the complete opposite. How about checking in with families to see how a kid's break went after – the holiday break after Thanksgiving break, anything. Some people say that's at home, like that's their business. Um, what do you think, Amy? Um, so I don't, I definitely don't check in for breaks with every single one of my students. Okay. Um, but typically that's because I know a decent amount about their home life and I know which ones I want to check in with and which ones um, I don't as much. I also know a lot about, you know, kids' behavior. And there are times when kids' behavior at home is very different from that at school. And by having those positive relationships with parents, they're willing to share that information and have some conversations about that. So I definitely, with certain students that I know those breaks are going to be hard, I definitely check in. Especially if I know that over that break, they are going to spend time with a parent that mm-hmm. maybe that relationship is difficult or they're going to have to split their time in some way. Yeah, I check in with them as a student, but I'll also check in with their parents. I definitely think this is more of a special ed area of mm-hmm. checking in with parents, but the 
really the thing that we want to send home here when you're listening today is that communication is a two-way street. Like we can share all these positives, but making sure that you're listening yourself, taking notes and having those active conversations with parents is a great way to maintain those relationships and continue them throughout the year. I'd also say um, kind of on that parents don't always know when to reach out or, um, you know, worry about when it's appropriate to reach out. And there are times that parents, you know, they they want help for certain things. Again, this is a little more special ed related, um, but they want help and they don't often know that the teacher can can have those conversations and help. So making sure that you're reaching out to them and expressing to them, you know, reach out to me as often as you need to with whatever concerns and we'll talk about it. That's a good point. Um, on all these notes about communicating, calling and emailing, our listeners uh, advice corner. I don't know what we want to call this yet. We don't have a name. <laughs> if you have a name, you can send it to us on our Instagram or email it to us. Maybe listener corner, submissions. We got sent in. I teach eighth grade math and I struggled through email communication with parents since March, switching over to virtual learning. What could I do now for the fall to try and incorporate better ideas so that I'm not flailing through new (laughs) hybrid learning? Hybrid learning is hard. Online learning is hard. Online communication is hard. It's okay that we all struggled. I'm just going to throw it out there. There was a lot going on and it's okay that it was hard. Um, But going into the fall, we need to be more organized and that's just across the board. So email communication, as I said, tone can come off Mm -hmm. differently and you're going to use a lot of email communication, but you want to remember to also call. Mm -hmm. Something that I found really, really helpful was having certain students, if their parents wanted to have a conversation and we were doing a live lesson, have their parents stay on and talk to me live um, through, we used Google Meet, I know other people use Zoom, but you were able to have that face-to-face check-in, have that conversation and kind of iron out some things that maybe were misconstrued in an email. I even, if, if you are emailing too, just with like dates and things to remember and ways to contact, the way you structure your email matters. And I think I personally like to read emails that have bullet points or they have an underlined like contact information, not just writing in paragraph format because mm-hmm. sometimes it's very daunting to read all of that, especially if you have multiple children and you have multiple teachers and they say switch classrooms. They have all these emails coming in. They just want to know your email or like how they contact you or what's due that week. So make it as easy and user-friendly as possible. I agree. I also would say whatever platform you're using for your actual assignments, try to have your assignment information on there and your email used for more specific communication. Mm -hmm. So parents are getting a lot of emails and a lot of notifications. We used Seesaw um, and we also used Canvas in some, some of our older classes. So having some kind of format on there where a newsletter went out or a weekly schedule or something like that, but not have it go through the email because if everything's coming in email, it gets too jumbled up for the parents when they have, you know, those multiple kids. Mm-hmm. I, that's a great way to summarize it. If you're listening and you want a question read or you have other tips that you want to send in, you can send to us direct message on our Instagram, chalktalk.edu, or you can send it to us via email at chalktalk.edupodcast at gmail.com. As always, please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. 
recommend it to a friend, a teacher BFF, or a future teacher in college. And as always, send us your questions your way, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. Thank you.